Hello and welcome to another episode of the Cyberwork with InfoSec podcast. Each week I sit down with a different industry thought leader to discuss the latest cybersecurity trends and how those trends are affecting the work of InfoSec professionals, as well as tips for those trying to break in or move up the ladder in the cybersecurity industry. Today we have a repeat guest on today's show. Uh, <laughs> Alyssa Knight is the senior analyst at ITA Group, an independent research and advisory firm focused on business technology and regulatory issues and their impact on the financial services industry. And I dare say she's been one of our most popular guests to date. Uh, yes. Yes, she led with a <laughs> hell of a story about her uh, her days in high school uh, uh, and, and a certain uh, government uh, organization uh, escorting her off of campus. So if you get a chance, uh, listen to the, the previous episode as well. It's amazing. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun. Uh, I, so, I, I like how I like how you introduced me as a repeat guest. I'm kind of like I always like to say I, I have this effect on people where I infect them. It's like the, I call it the bubonic alley. So oh, yeah. I've definitely infected you guys. You guys can't get enough. <laughs> Got the alley fever. Yeah. Alyssa is our favorite guest. She will be on again and again. Yes. <laughs> this time it's happy hour. We're doing we're doing a happy hour interview. We're going we're yeah. going full happy hour. Salute uh, so, to all the salute. listeners. I wish I could join you. Um, so <laughs> today we're going to talk about uh, API security, the MageCart hacking group, uh, some re recent breaches that should be on your radar, uh, and the concept of formjacking skimmers, uh, as well as Alyssa's uh, upcoming book. So let me tell you about it. Alyssa Knight is the senior analyst uh, uh, b -b 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 with IT Group, where she performs focused research into cybersecurity issues impacting the financial services, healthcare, and fintech industries throughout the assessment of sector trends, creation of a segment taxonomies, market sizing, preparation of forecasts, and develop, developing industry models. Uh, we uh, sort of gave a little sneak preview on this last time, but Alyssa is, in fact, the author of Hacking Connected Cars, Tactics, Techniques, and Procedures, which is out in paperback on October 8th from Wiley. Alyssa, thank you, and welcome back, and cheers. Thank you, Chris. Cheers. Salute. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I was actually, while you're reading my bio, I'm like, damn, I really need to change that bio. I really need to update it. Okay. That was literally a copy and paste from a job description for an industry analyst. Ah. And it's like, you know, uh, so for the viewers, just so you guys know, basically, I'm a content creator. That's basically what it comes down to. I'm a con content creator and I'm an influencer. So if like, basically, if a content creator, like a content marketer in an, and, uh, and an industry analyst were to have a, no, and a hacker, mm -hmm. so three people were to have a baby, not that that would be even possible. Person, maybe, say, sure. Yeah, I'll follow. I'm following. You're following. If they were to have a baby, all three of these people, I would be the product of that. So I'm basically a hacker meets content creator meets industry analyst. So that's what I am. Uh, basically, I create content uh, in video, audio, and written. Meets new author. Mm -hmm. uh, so what's been happening <laughs> since you were last on the show? When we last spoke, uh, you, you were talking about hacking connected cars. And again, very fascinating episode. Uh, and the book you wrote on the topic, but it sounds like the book's almost about to be released. So, uh, And it sounds like you might also have some big news uh, to re announce as well. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of So I don't even know where to start. Um, so in my personal life. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I've, um, yeah, I'm moving to Las Vegas. Wow. I fell in love and a hotbed of uh, cybersecurity. Yeah. You know, it's, it it's be. funny. I actually, um, we, we met at black hat briefings, if you oh. believe it. Mm -hmm. So I bet no one out there thought black hat briefings could actually be a dating site. Uh, <laughs> but we, we met, I fell in love and I'm moving to Vegas. Um, so other than, uh, the personal stuff, mm -hmm. um, Professionally, a lot's been happening as well. 
I'd like to announce I got a new book contract with Wiley. I'm actually going to be authoring a new series of books. Okay. Um, been okay. doing quite Tell a lot of about. Yeah. So mm-hmm. hacking APIs, hacking and securing APIs. Oh. Uh, that's a prevalent, pervasive issue right now. It's a contemporary issue that people care about. Keeping CISOs up at night. That's what I like to uh, focus my research on is anything that people care about now, not what they cared about 10 years ago. Right. Uh, containers and container security, hacking containers and securing containers, which is really cool. A lot of uh, issues around Docker security, AWS security, S3 bucket security. Mm-hmm. So there's that. Um, gosh, what else? Uh, I finished the copy edit on my books, like you mentioned. So uh, the Hacking Connected Cars book will be out, I believe, in October, just like you said. Yep. So uh, copy edit is done and starting on the new book. So a lot of really exciting stuff. Today also, uh, the embargo was lifted on the Arxen In Plain Sight 2 series. Uh, so this is a follow-on to the first report where I hacked those 30 financial services mobile apps. This is a new report focusing on, on e-commerce sites that have been form-jacked or hijacked from mage cart groups stealing credit card data. So I am, uh, yeah, so that, that, uh, that got lifted this morning. That report's come out. I discovered 80 sites that were breached by mage cart, worked with the FBI in the takedown of those. And uh, the report is out. So okay, things, well- are good. things are good. All right, let's put a pin in that and jump back to what you were talking about. When, yes. when we recorded back in May, you told me you were, and you just said it again, you were on a 10-country uh, world tour documenting 30 financial service mobile apps in which you discovered vulnerabilities. So how did that go? What were your, how were your discoveries and remedies received? It, it's still going. You know, okay. it's, I, I just had, it's funny, I just got off a podcast of my own with the Arxen folks, with mm. the Arxen team. And, it, you know, I was, I was just kind of, analyzing this, right? I, it's mm-hmm. a hindsight is always 2020 vision, right? Yeah. And I, I was just kind of pulling this apart. When we walked into it and we, we came out, we're like, oh yeah, you know, these are some awesome vulnerability findings. We've got SQL injection here. We've got some other, you know, insecure logging. Uh, it's funny. It kind of took on a life of its own after the research and after speaking at different conferences, the emphasis started to change. The narrative started to change. It started to change to API issues they were hard-coded API keys and API tokens in every one of these 29 out of 30 apps. And so the narrative that started to really change. It was like, not that those other vulnerabilities weren't important, not those other mm-hmm. vulnerabilities weren't, weren't bad. It was just that there's the, all this emphasis on API security right now. And you have these major banks, major banks, where they were hard-coding API access keys and, API, and tokens and credentials in these mobile apps and so it's, it was really interesting to me as a researcher to see this sort of this narrative change midstream, mid-flight, where when I was speaking at conferences, it started to become less about the other vulnerabilities and more about the API issues. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up on, you know, and, 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 you know, you ask a great question, how did it go? It's actually still going. Okay. Uh, I'm heading to Tokyo. I'm heading to... Um, Singapore mm-hmm. and uh, heading to Singapore and and also Germany to discuss the findings and I'm actually starting to change the presentation so every single conference I speak at is I do a different version of the presentation hmm. but the remaining conferences for the rest of the year I'm actually going to be doing it live on stage so I'm going to take actual bank app an actual bank app and I'm going to reverse engineer it on stage hmm. and I'm going to show the findings live. I still haven't figured out how to actually mask the name yet. 
<laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> that's, that's important. I'm working on that and working out those logistics. Uh, okay. But, but the Germany in Frankfurt, the Global CIO Banking Summit will be where I first and where I will be doing that live on stage for the first time. I'm assuming this is not sort of online to the public. This is something that's like invite only. Like if if our if our yeah. listeners want to. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. So what, a, so a, I think it's an invite only event. I sure. Think. Fair enough. Um, so basically you're saying, you know, you, you, you came to these presentations, you're like, Hey, I hacked these financial service apps and they're like, never mind that. What about API security? Like what, what yeah. was that? Like that was kind of what the reaction was or. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It was like, yeah, the other stuff is kind of cool, you know, SQL injection, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, re, re, uh, the, all that stuff is bad, but let's talk about those API findings, <laughs> you know, and it somehow brought me over to API world. It brought me over to API days and it is, it's like people are trying to figure out how to secure their APIs. And it was really interesting for me as an outcome from this research where I started to reach out to some of the app developers for these banks and these financial, and we're not talking about small community banks because my listeners might be thinking, oh, these were small community banks. These were small credit unions. Right. No, these were billions in assets under management. Like mm-hmm. these were really, really large banks. And... um so it was really interesting because I talked to some of these developers and reached out to them and I found out that a lot of these large banks actually outsource the development of their mobile apps. So the interesting thing to me is that the I found out that the marketing department considers a lot of these financial institutions consider the mobile app to be a function of marketing because oh, it's, yeah. it's you know they consider it to be like their website. Yep. So in a lot of times, in a lot of these instances and cases, the security team was not involved in doing a pen test of the mobile app. They weren't involved in doing any sort of static or dynamic code analysis. The, they, the marketing department basically outsourced this development. Um, cybersecurity was not involved in this project. The, once the app was done, they requested an API key for the app and the bank was none the wiser. They had no idea that these keys were being hard coded in the apps. So it was a very endemic issue across all the apps. And the one bank that was the most hardened that I didn't really find anything with was a bank in Europe. It was a European bank. So, you know, we definitely have a ways to go as far as maturity is concerned. Yeah. Uh, Financial institutions... You know, a lot of people will tell me, yeah, they're, they're, they're further along in their maturity of cy- their cybersecurity program. Not necessarily, especially in my, from my, the empirical data of my research. Okay. So let's, let's talk about API security and, and uh, the Magecart group and, and form jacking and, as a tool of choice. But uh, before that, let's, let's start at sort of the ground floor. Like give, give us a sort of elevator pitch on what API security is and what some of the most common API vulnerabilities are. Sure. Uh, so API security is simply, uh, it, it's, it's, th- I guess the, I like to use the analogy. It's kind of like an electrical socket in your house. Okay. Right? So you have API consumers, you have API um, producers, right? So people that are the, the people that are providing the data, these are the financial institutions in this case, the electrical socket is analogous to the API. So the API is like an electrical socket. It, it doesn't matter what you connect to it. You could connect your hairdryer, you can charge your iPhone. Mm. Uh, the electrical socket doesn't care. Yep. The, the company on the back end, the electrical company on the back end, doesn't care what you're plugging into it either. It's right. just producing this data through this electrical socket. So right. it's, sorry, it's, providing, it's provisioning the service through the electrical socket, which is electricity. APIs are very much the same thing. It's, it's, it doesn't care, it doesn't matter what you are tying to it. It could be a mobile app, it could be a car. 
right? Mm -hmm. Cars connect with communicate with APIs. Yep. And you have the back end, which is which is the provider of the data. It's the API provider. It's providing this provisioning this data. So that's really a, a, a quick elevator pitch on what an API is. Securing APIs is a different story. A lot of companies are making the mistake of putting a WAF in front of it and treating it like a website, but that's not really the case. Hmm. APIs are not a website. Yes, they speak HTTP, they speak HTTPS, like they, 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 they speak the same protocol that a website would, hmm. but you can't secure it like you would secure a website because you're not really looking for things like a SQL injection attack. Right. You're looking for things like, I'm providing this API access key, even though it's valid, should I be getting that data? Hmm. I have this API key and I'm presenting it to you through like a Postman uh, request, but does it necessarily mean just because I have the key, I should see that? So it, it, it addresses the authentication authorization issues and you need a security solution to do that. So I'm actually looking at API security solutions like the form systems of the world, 42 crunches of the world. Um, you know, and, and, and looking at these solutions because companies aren't securing their APIs the, the proper way, which mm. is why they're still getting breached. And yeah. so uh, if you have an API access key, it's like the password, right? So, if you, so I found these API access keys hard-coded in these mobile apps. It's like having the password to the backend system. Yeah. It's crazy. It's like yeah, putting like, the post-it note with the password on the front door of your building or something. Yeah. And, and, and you know, if these companies have no control. Once these apps are published to the app marketplaces, I can sit there and tear apart this mobile app in the comfort of my own home hmm. without worrying about the bank's network intrusion detection system or host IDS or anything regarding timing. I can take my time. I can pull this mobile app apart. And it doesn't matter. I can, I, no one's looking at me. Nobody's watching me until I get the data that I need in order to actually launch my attack. Yeah, so no. um, it's an interesting attack surface. It is. And yeah. And I was, I was going to say it's, it, it feels almost like, you know, the old movies where like the terrorists are going after like the infrastructure, they're going after like Hoover Dam or something like that. Like yeah. you're, hitting, you're hitting utilities in a way, but um, sure. so is this a, a new enough issue that, you know, these uh, organizations are off the hook for not knowing to do it or, sh or should they have known better? Like, like how, how, how sort of. Yeah. That's a good question. Uh, I, I always say you should have known better, but that's just me. I'm kind of a cynical ass, cynical sure, ass, sure. <laughs> but um, <laughs> sorry, am I allowed to swear on the show? Oh, sure. Uh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Bleep. Um, so yeah, so I, I'm kind of cynical in that way. Like you should have always known, but at the same time, it's very, this is a story of my life, right? I, I've been working in this industry for 20 years now and vulnerabilities always reappear in a different form. It's it's like history yeah. repeats itself mm -hmm. in, in cybersecurity for sure. There's I, patterns, I, I would imagine. Yeah, I, I kind of see the same sort of problems as far as insecure code development and everything from 20 years ago, just kind of reappearing every few mm -hmm. years. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's because developers are coming out of school and they haven't really been exposed to secure development yet. Whatever it is, but vulnerabilities kind of reappear. Just like, you know, buffer overflows reappear, hard coding credentials and source code reappears. It doesn't matter. It, it, no matter, it's, it's just a game of, it's a game of leapfrog, right? Every time we make a step, we make a leap forward, hackers make two leaps forward and it's just this kind of game of catch up. Of course, yeah, that's always always the case. So, I mean, you you mentioned a little bit about it, but what are what are your sort of primary recommendations for securing APIs right now? 
I would definitely recommend that organizations consider API management and API security to be two separate things. Now, this okay. is a religious debate because I've decoupled, moving my mic here, sorry. Yep. I've decoupled the technologies, right? There are certain analyst firms that want to consider API, the API management space to be all-encompassing, hmm. to include the API security gateways of the world. I think that's wrong. I don't think that security should be a feature of a management product. Right, So okay. you have these API management companies that have included API security capabilities as a feature, as an add-on, whereas these companies like Farm Systems or 42 Crunch, uh, these companies have built their technologies from the ground up to address API security threats. Hmm. So my recommendation to CISOs and buyers out there is, yes, have your API management solution but also look at investing in an API security product. It's kind of like the old TV VCR combos, right? <laughs> if anyone remembers those. Oh, yeah. When your VCR broke, all you had was a TV. If your TV broke, all you had was a VCR, mm -hmm. right? And then because it was attached, you really couldn't do anything if your TV broke. Right. Get them so, up. yeah, I, I kind of see API management solutions with security functionalities kind of being those TV VCR combos that just should have never happened. I see. So, um, is is it is this is there a resistance to this because of the usual I don't want to spend more money on another service or what 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 do you think the, the sort of friction point is? No, I don't think it's a budget issue. I think it's a it's a lack of education. You know, mm -hmm. one of the things that I'm doing as a content creator and influencer is really trying to influence the market and help guide decision making mm -hmm. and help for really help form that narrative. And the narrative that I'm addressing right now is the fact that the API management solutions, the API gateways out there are trying to set the narrative that you don't need a security solution. Now, I will give credit to some of the folks who are like, you know, ping, you know connect us into Ping Identity, you know, connect us in with Okta. Those are great setups. Those are great ways to architect it. But understand that, you know, I think what's happening is just the market needs to be educated on the fact that you have API management and you have API security. And those you know, those are definitely, those are definitely mutually exclusive. You know, in, in my mind, I think those things need to be two completely separate things and they need to go together. Hmm. Uh, so um, I guess moving on from that and, and expanding on that a little bit, I mean, I, I'm assuming we haven't covered the entire topic yet, but can we talk about the, uh, the, the, the lifted non-embargoed uh, report that came out today? Yeah, yeah. So I'm glad, I'm glad you want to talk about that. So it's, it's sure. very interesting research. This is part two as a follow-on to the first in Plain Sight series paper mm -hmm. where I did it on the mobile apps, we talked about that. This are, is these, are these papers available to the general public or is this a... Yeah, so if they go to arxan, www.arxan.com, you can actually download the reports. I don't know if part two has been published yet. I know the embargo has been lefted on the news stories coverage, right. of, the news so people, coverage of it. Yeah, news folks have it anyway, but it'll yeah, probably be filtered down eventually. Probably like a week, I would right. imagine, if it's not today. It'll be up by so, the time we get this on. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, so yeah, if you head over to arcsand.com, you can download it. So what part two is about is we've moved from the mobile attack surface to the web attack surface. So when you go to checkout, it, let's say you go to Amazon, you buy something and you check out. There are these groups called MageCart groups. Now, people mistakenly refer to MageCart as a single group or a tool. Yeah, that's, that's what I was imagining. Yeah, yeah MageCart Mage, Mage is an umbrella term for a set of groups who are focused on stealing credit card data from e-commerce sites. Okay. And there's currently tracking of seven completely separate groups. Um, one of the intelligence research firms has collapsed one of them. So there's six. 
there's of course more. Uh, but the, there's six major ones that this Intel firm is actually tracking. So what what MageCart is is it's 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 a group that has implemented a an attack kit, a malicious JavaScript that's been embedded into an e-commerce site. So if you're going to, for example, www.shoes.com and you want to buy some shoes, mm-hmm. they'll compromise that site, typically running Magento, thus the name Mage. Yeah, there you right? Go. Yeah, there's yeah, the correlation. There we got it. I was wondering. Um, and the site will be running a vulnerable version of Magento mm-hmm. and they will breach it. And once they have a shell on the site, they will inject JavaScript into malicious JavaScript into the checkout form and paste it in there. And as soon as someone goes to the site, puts in their credit card data, the credit card information is sent to the MageCart controlled server, the collection server. And it's also processed. So if Chris Sienko is buying a pair of kicks, your, your, your order will be processed, but the keystroke logger, or the, 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 the form jacking code will send your data to a third-party site under their control. Mm-hmm. So you'll be none the wiser. You, you, you'll have no idea that you've just been skimmed. Okay. That was one of my questions. Um, a digital skimmer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is an electronic skimmer. It's like it's like ATM skimming, but but electronically. Yes. yes. Uh, so I guess that 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 that's, that brings up a worrying question: Is there a way for users to be able to tell that the site they're on has been form jacked, or is this one of those problems that's so deeply embedded you can only really address it at the structural level? The thing is, is that the I think the Alyssa Knights of the world will be able to, meaning that right. you know John Doe or Jane Doe on Main Street isn't going to go to shoes.com, right click on the site, and say inspect source. Yeah, you, you can see the malicious JavaScript in the source code if you in the DOM, uh, which is referred to as the DOM on the in the browser, because the JavaScript executes on the browser side. It does not execute, of course, on the server side. It's executing in the browser. Mm-hmm. So if you right click and view the source, you can actually inspect it and see the code, and it's typically obfuscated. Okay. So the typical the t- average Joe consumer isn't going to see this, or yeah. if they do see it. They're not going to know what it is because it's obfuscated. So the answer to your question is yes, you can see it if you look for it, but you need to know what you're looking for. So that's why this is such a successful attack. Just Mm -hmm. like it's saying, just like if you're at a gas pump, right? If if the person does a good enough job, they can hide that card skimmer at the gas gas pump. Yeah, they yeah. did a really crappy job, and it's hanging, you know, off the side. Yeah, your card doesn't go in or whatever. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. you can tell. So I, I guess that brings up sort of two questions. Then, like, what what uh, is you know what is our expectation of what our due diligence should be as online users, consumers, whatever? Like, you know, you said like J- Joe average, you know, isn't necessarily going to know to look for this or isn't going to know what they're seeing, but should they know? Is that even something we should be asking and second is there you know would there be possible to say like here's a website here's what malicious code looks like you know sort of look at it or you know do like a a comparison you know thing with with you know the code and then i guess the third thing is is are we gonna have to spend you know the rest of our lives you know looking at every single retail site we look at and and like examining the source code before we put our before i put our digits in Um, I have a very funny response to that. I actually blame everybody. <laughs> I'm not someone who selectively blames okay. people. 
right. I think everyone's at fault. All of your um, faults. Every all last of you, one of you. You're all at fault. The vendors, the security vendors, uh, the e-commerce e operators, the consumers, you're all at fault. Yeah. Um, no, you know, it's funny. Uh, I really... Look, I definitely pass less blame onto the consumer because it doesn't make sense to put the onus on the consumer to right-click and inspect the source code before they check out. Right. Um, but, you know, we should always be vigilant. We live in a very exciting time, but at the same time, with this connectivity, you know, it, it, it introduces a vulnerability with us as consumers, either in connected cars or shopping online. It introduces a vulnerability and, and we should all be responsible for our own vulnerabilities. However, having said that, I, I put a lot of blame on the vendors and the e-commerce site operators. This is a very simple fix. They, there, there's okay. a, control, a security control called in-app security protection where the site operators can actually obfuscate their site code with this technology. Mm. And it's, it doesn't interrupt the uh, DevOps process. The The companies can actually, the e-commerce site operators can actually just apply, right, basically mouse click and apply this code obfuscation and so they're up and running. Uh, it's obfuscated. The Magecart group can't do anything with the code because they can't make sense of it and they move on to the next site. So I blame the site operators. Uh, the other interesting thing is, is in this research and visiting these sites, my EDR solution, my, my virus solution didn't see it. So, you know, I mean, even though there was this malicious JavaScript in the browser that's appearing in the DOM, I don't know, you know, it, it, I feel like either Internet Explorer or Chrome or Edge or whatever needs to be doing a better job. Uh, I talked with, with Deborah um, over at ArcSan. She's the head of marketing. And Deb mentioned, you know, hey, she, she visited all 80 sites and only three of the sites yelled at her about it being potentially malicious. Three out of 80. Wow. Right. So I, I, I definitely, I think, I, I think there's enough blame to go around. I think we blame yeah. everybody. Okay. You heard it here first, man. Everyone's everyone did it wrong. Um, is such a bitch. She uh, just blamed everyone. <laughs> no, no, no. I think, but I think that's, that's worth noting because you know, it, once you feel like you're off the hook, you, you, you relax a little bit. You don't, yeah. you don't yeah. stay vigilant. No, you can't be complacent. You can't, no, of course. I mean, even consumers. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, we talked about them sort of in a cyclical way, but let's, let's sort of like really get into the, these mage, mage cart hacking groups. Um, you, so contrary to what I thought, they are not a centralized group, but it's sort of a classification of like multiple hacking groups that are out there. Yes. Uh, I educated you. You did, man. I'm, I love I'm educating every second here. Uh, how long have they been around? And, and apart from form jacking, what types of attacks are they best known for? Ooh, that's a good question. They've been around for a while. Yeah. Um, it's in my report. You're testing my memory. Okay. Right. I, I want to say, I want to say, like 2010, okay. maybe to like mid 2000. Um, I could be totally wrong, which which happens well, quite often. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the 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 attacks that they're known for are definitely going after Magecart driven sites, CMS platforms, right? Okay. It's not the CMS that you need to worry about. It's all the plugins kind of thing. But there are definitely a lot of vulnerabilities in, in, in Magento. So site operators need to keep their Magentas upgraded. Okay. Stay on top of that patch and vulnerability management strategy. Make sure that when a new version of Magento comes out or Shopify, that you upgrade. Um, they're, they're known for exploiting Magento and other CMS platforms. I mean, it could be WordPress, right? They could go after WordPress. It doesn't matter. 
I mean, if, 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 if the e-commerce site is running a CMS and it's vulnerable to something, or if they're not running a CMS, I'm sure there's a, I'm sure there's a mage cut group out there that goes after everything, yeah. you know, and doesn't care if it's magenta or not, but surely they have a, you know, a, a, a keychain, so to speak of, of exploits for magenta that they like to use. You mentioned that that one of them was collapsed recently. Uh, is are there particular like strategies in place to try and? Yeah, I, I mean, I realize this is like you know squashing you know cockroaches or playing whatever. That, I'm sure it, whack-a-mole. Whack-a-mole. Yeah, exactly. But are there particular strategies for sort of like tracking these organizations down, or did they kind of catch them by accident, or or what what's going on? No, you know the way they're do. I think the way that they're doing it um, is 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 tracking them based on their tactics and techniques. Mm-hmm. So if you think of tools, you know, um, if you see repeating patterns in the breaches where they're using the same malicious JavaScript, that's an identifier, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, I'm, I'm sure they're, you know, if you, if you drill down into it and get in the weeds, they're even tracking the individual actors that are members of the groups, but ideally it's, it's categorization of the, of the major card groups based on their, the, the specific, tools that they use or um, malicious JavaScript that they use when they form Jack. Okay. Now um, it sounds also, you, you mentioned that, you know, it seems like it's a fairly easy fix to sort of obfuscate your, you know, your, your, your site's code and whatever. Is this another thing like the connected cars where, you know, a, a $1, you know, USB thing or whatever, a, a, a firewall can solve the problem and it's just not being done because either people yeah. don't know about it or it's, or they don't feel like it or. I think it falls into that category of this is a stupid problem to have, right? Okay. Because if you if you look at the ArcSan solution, for example, it's really easy to apply it. Like it's it's literally uh, on Linux, it's a period slash command, mm-hmm. and um, it's so easy to apply. And you don't have to install anything special on the server uh, to to read it. It's just it's really simple. So yeah. I think that's really what perplexes me about the whole thing is man, this is so quick and easy to apply and it doesn't interrupt the DevOps process. Developers don't have to rack their brain over it. Once it's done, you just go in there and period slash it. So like, why isn't it being done? So the answer to your question is, yeah, this is one of those categories of stupid problems to have. It's so easy to fix and people aren't doing it. Interesting. So um, I guess moving on to that, you know, it, um, I, okay, I got a couple of things here, but but one, you know, can you will would it be possible i guess if you if you right click and you couldn't find you know if you couldn't see the code or whatever is that is is that another sort of tell like if you look at a a site you're about to buy shoes from and you can't see the code is that a good sign that they put you know something that obfuscates it in there and should there be like a list of like sites that have got it together oh that's a good that's a good question so it'll look like gibberish it literally, yeah. literally you will not see okay anything that makes sense right. it, it's, it's very much it's a combination of like white box encryption and and there's and then anything about uh the arcsin solution is uh god this is turning into a commercial works and i apologize <laughs> to the listeners um but it just i don't own any stock in arcsin and i do not work okay. for them they are a vendor um i'm an independent third party um, but the neat thing Listen, about, this is an ad for InfoSec and don't you forget it. <laughs> I forgot about that. Uh, Everyone go sign up for your training. Um, so, you know, uh, the, the thing about it is, is that um, with ArcSan, it, it, it has this ability to actually kill the browser, right? So mm-hmm. not only can you obfuscate the code with it, but they have the ability to, to actually implement tamper detection 
and kill the browser of the offender. Mm. It's really interesting, yeah. really interesting technology. So I definitely urge people to take a look at it. Wow. Um, so if you are working for one of these retail sites or whatever, and you suspect that, you know, the DevOps team or the security department is not utilizing this, is this something that you could sort of bring to leadership and say, sure, quick yeah. fix needs to happen? Yeah, yeah. And and it's it literally takes a few, like a God, it's a few seconds to just period slash and run that command on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it automa- automatically will obfuscate the code, whether it's a mobile app or web uh, web app. And you don't have to worry about anything else. It just kind of does the rest. And so, yeah, request that budget and, and go 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 pick up a copy. It's 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 cool stuff. Cool. Um, so you want to talk about your upcoming book a little bit? Yes. Do so, it. Okay. So new book coming out from the Alyssa Knight Library. Hashtag Knight Rider. Yes. Yep. I was going to uh, ask you about that later. Let's we'll 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 get to that too. Last week tonight. Hashtag Knight Rider. <laughs> I love that guy, John Oliver. Anyway. Uh, so yeah, I'm writing a new book. Uh, mm-hmm. So the, the Hacking Connected Cars uh, will be, is available for pre-order on Amazon right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so pick up your copy. And uh, a new book. Uh, I think, you know, we haven't really, the dust hasn't really settled on the title or mm-hmm. the table of contents. I'm actually in the process of outlining the book at the moment. Uh, but Wiley has picked it up again. And I guess they just have been infected by the bubonic alley. You know, they got the alley fever. They want another book. Yeah. Uh, so I'm I'm writing a new book on on hacking and securing APIs. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to start writing. I'm going to, I'm gonna, the last book took two years. Okay. I don't want to spend two years on this book. I, I, I if I can, my plan is to, my plan sure is your to learning curve should cut it in half maybe. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, it was my first book. I had no idea sure. what I was doing and I had no idea how much work it took. Like, so for all of you out there who want to write a book, it's hard. Mm-hmm. If you think you're going to kick out one chapter a week while working a full-time job, I'm slapping you back in reality. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's it's tough. It's tough. It's tough. Um, yeah. So I I'm gonna start the outline. Gonna gonna start writing out the outline, and uh, everything will go from there. I'm excited because oh. I don't think there's really much out there on this. I mean, it's it's a no. pervasive issue, and there's really not much known about securing properly securing uh, APIs. Okay, so uh, let's jump back to connecting. Connected cars, like what sort of what sort of readers are you imagining? Who would who would be interested in this? Like what what you know what what can we expect out of the book? You know, it's interesting. So for for hacking connected cars, uh, definitely the uh, the OEMs who are making components, right? Because a lot of people don't understand cars. Like if you buy a if you buy a Mercedes, all those parts aren't coming from Mercedes. Mercedes right. didn't build every single part. Yes, a, an automobile manufacturer is seriously assembling like Lego blocks. Mm-hmm. These technologies from all these different OEMs, the head unit is from someone, the TCU is from someone, the ECUs are from someone. And, and it's, it's, it's everyone's parts all assembled by one organization, and that's your car. Um, so, so we're getting into supply chain security here as well. Yeah, then. this is supply chain security. This is the automakers making sure that the OEMs are doing pen testing, they're doing yep. their due diligence, and those requirements are appearing in RFPs. So yes, the the readers are going to be the automakers. It's going to be the OEMs. It's going to be all of these companies. And then we've got these new startups uh, that are coming up in the connected car space that are making these EVs, and uh, it's cool. It's cool. But you know, so these are these are the readers of the book. These are people that are involved in automobile mechatronics that are involved in uh, people who are in charge of securing cars. Uh, what was it like fifty six percent or? 
something on the cars on the road by 2020 will be connected, will be autonomous, right? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, this is where things are going. It's happening. This is a thing. So really anyone, and maybe even drivers, maybe consumers, when you go out there and you're, you know, you want to be educated on the tech surface to your car. Like Mm -hmm. I can remotely move the steering wheel, push the brakes, push the gas on a connected car, given the right vulnerabilities. You need to know about this. You're, you're driving around with your family in the vehicle, right? You need to know about this. And when you're shopping for a car, it's not about asking about the type of leather or the, the size of the engine or how fast it can go. It's yeah. should be IT risk management related issues and questions. Does this thing have an, an ECU firewall? Yep. Are, you know, is the head unit able to transmit to the CAN bus? Mm-hmm. All these things are important questions. Uh, how about um, readers who might be just interested in sort of like cool hacks, like penetration testers or people who do yes. like capture the flags? Is that interesting in that regard? Yes, yes. Penetration testers, for sure. Red teamers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm always a big proponent of the fact that just because you're a pen tester doesn't mean you can do connected car pen testing. It's not the same. Yeah. Okay. Hacking, you know, defacing or, or sorry, hacking an Apache web server is way different when than hacking a TCU. Mm-hmm. But Pen testers who want to get involved in connected car pen testing, take a look at this book, read it. It's got a lot of really cool stuff on it. It's literally a field manual on how to build your jump kit for doing connected car pen testing and um, you know what, what is involved and what do you need to understand? Yes. What are the things you need to think about? Okay. So um, as we start to wind up a little bit, if you wanted to sort of get out your crystal ball for a moment, um, whether talking about APIs or otherwise, would you care to predict what uh, vulnerabilities are going to be most prominent and dangerous in 2020 and beyond? Do you have any thoughts on possible election hacking, anything like that? Oh, goodness. The crystal ball question. Yes. Um, I think I think the hostile nation states will continue to try and disrupt our this uh, great experiment of democracy that we've mm-hmm. got going on. Um, so that will continue. Uh, they will continue to become more sophisticated. It will definitely continue to be a focus on hacking the human. We're the weakest link in security, and that will never change. Right. Uh, I think over the next few years, it's going to be a focus on on microservices. I think is the monoliths disappear as the monolithic applications disappear and start to be replaced by microservices and serverless. I think CISOs are going to struggle to continue to understand how to secure that. How do you secure a serverless app, right? Mm-hmm. How do you secure microservices? How do you, all right, now, you know, I, I think that this is um, very understated, but the last metric I heard was that the average organization runs about 420 APIs. I'm seeing 800, I'm seeing more. So the average organization, I think, is running between 800 to 1,000 APIs. And how do you secure that? You know, I was talking to Mike, uh, the CISO over at Twitter a few weeks ago. You know, it's, it's, it's the pervasive concern that's keeping CISOs up at night today is securing their APIs and their, their microservices. Yeah. You know, what, what, how, how do you secure that attack surface, Docker containers, Kubernetes? You know, and there's some great technologies out there that are doing that, that are focused on it. New Vector, you've got... Um, Twistlock recently acquired by Palo Alto. You've got all these really cool companies out there doing this and focused on this. And take a look at them. You know, you, you need to secure these things. People, hackers are learning how to bust out of containers and pivot. You, you got to protect yourself from that. Wow, that's a lot, a lot of things to worry about. Yep. That's <laughs> um, my 
So last time uh, we talked extensively about the need for more women in cybersecurity. And I noticed yes. on, on LinkedIn that you've been posting on social media using hashtag Night Writers, which you just said, Night Writers, mm -hmm. W-R-I-T-E-R-S. Uh, tell me about that. Are you building and growing a coalition of women in cybersecurity? I am Night Writers. Yes. Um, <clears throat> tell me all about it. Okay, so Night Writer, I grew I'm a 70s baby, right? I'm 40 years old. I just turned oh, yeah. 40. I'm, I'm I, I, I see the hashtag and the theme song goes through my head instantly. I'm old. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Night. Um, I grew up on Night Rider. Uh, and it was neat, you know, just thinking about the fact that I don't know how this came up. I, I want to say that one of my followers, because, um, you know, I'm an influencer and one of my followers, I think, I want to say one of my followers came up with it. And I was like, oh, that has a good ring to it. Night yeah. Rider. Um, so I went with it. And, and it's like in Twitter's hashtag library now. So like I, it's been used so much at this point. Uh, yeah, definitely look for the hashtag Knight Rider on Twitter or, any, or LinkedIn if you're looking to follow my research and, and publications. But uh, yeah, I'm really, you know, I'm uh, so Carmen, I was, I don't know if you heard, but I was recently nominated as the, um, in the top three by uh, Intelligentsia of the, uh, Hacker of the Year Award, a fem uh, hacker, female, female hacker of the year. Okay. I didn't win, uh, but that's okay. I was up against some amazing women. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, just to have been recognized, you know, among these thousands of amazing women out there. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Having said that, uh, you know, I, so Carmen recently received funding from the founder of Craigslist, Craig something rather, mm -hmm. and uh, to do this 100 Craigslist, we'll just call him Craigslist. Yeah, sure. He, he put up all the funding that Carmen needed to do this 100 women in 100 days thing. And it looks like I'm actually going to be an instructor where we're going to be teaching 100 women. And uh, she's partnered up with, with employers to actually hire those women uh, after the 100 days. So mm -hmm. it's a really neat initiative, trying to get more women in cybersecurity. Yeah. If you're a woman in cybersecurity, follow me, reach out to me. Uh, happy to, per to provide guidance and be your spirit guide spirit animal. Um, I have a lot of female followers, which is great. You know, I, I get reached out on a daily basis, just women that are in cybersecurity, want to get into cybersecurity, want to understand it, happy to be a spirit guide for them. Uh, we need more women. We need to, we need to change these numbers. Um, you know, I, I just a, a few weeks ago, I had someone on Twitter say that cybersecurity was too fast paced for women. Um, shocking, shocking that this individual decided to do this on Twitter, especially okay. with me. It's like, do you know who oh, you're yeah. talking to? You have no idea yeah. who you're talking to. Um, <laughs> Don't at me. He yeah, added, he added be really careful when you're, when you're going to yeah. decide to troll us tonight. Yeah. So it was cool because all my followers got in on it. And, and you know, the, 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 let's just say the Gippies were really cool, really funny. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, yeah, you know, we, we need to change these numbers and we need yeah. to do it one number at a time. And I'm really trying to do that and, and change the narrative here. Can you sort of break out down a little bit more about like what, what this training is, like where it's going to be, how it's, how it's going to be made available? Is this through like individual organizations or? What's, what's sure, sure. Carmen, you should interview Carmen on this topic. She actually okay. definitely has, has more info on this, um, okay. but it, it'll be, you know, I, I, I want to say that there's one in Chicago. She's going to do it in multiple cities um, mm -hmm. and there will be 100 women that will be selected. I'm sure there's going to be a, a registration gate. Are these women um, already in the industry and they're learning higher anyone, level? I think it's anyone. Any? It's any okay. woman. Any woman who has an interest in cybersecurity, wanting to be, wanting to move into cybersecurity. Right. You know, I I always say, I love this. I used to run a, a website to teach women how to invest in the stock market. It was called Street Girl. Mm -hmm. I used to be a day trader. 
believe it or not. Okay. And one of the things that I, I, you always used to love the quote is that women are the chief financial officer of the household. You know, mm-hmm. we're, we're awesome. We're awesome CFOs of the household. Right. And it's just the same. Women, I think, make just from the, the way we're built, the way, we're, the way we are coded as women, I think we make great penetration testers. We make great cybersecurity engineers and, and the industry needs more of us. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's anyone, any woman wanting to get into cybersecurity has an interest in it or is in cybersecurity right now and you know doesn't have a job and and wants to continue continue to do capacity capacity development and and get into something and and have a job waiting for them when they're done okay speed round let's uh throw throw every uh form of social media link or your books or whatever that you want to promote here at the end yes twitter linkedin youtube um so on youtube Alyssa knight it's slash c slash Alyssa knight that's A-L-I-S-S-A-K-N-I-G-H-T. I spelled mine with a Y. Uh, I'm sorry, I spelled mine with an I. Yep. There's an I in Alyssa. Uh, and uh, Twitter, at Alyssa Knight. And LinkedIn, Alyssa Knight. Reach out to me, connect with me. I'm trying to shoot for 5,000 followers on, on YouTube uh, okay. by the end of the year. So if you can help me in meeting that number, do it. Do it. Uh, so subscribe uh, to me on you YouTube. A, you have a podcast as well, is that right? I do. I have IT, IT Radio uh, for IT Group, and I also have Leet Speak. So I, I host two podcasts. Check us out on Libsyn, iTunes, okay. all the usual, Stitcher, all that fun stuff. What are what are the sort of uh, focus, focus of each of those? Uh, cybersecurity. Uh, cybersecurity, just um, on Leet Speak, it could be about really anything. Um, I'm obsessed with productivity and time management, mm. uh, anything. Uh, IT Group is more focused around definitely every episode of cybersecurity. Gotcha. All right, uh, Lisa. thanks again for all your insights. This is always a blast. Thanks, Chris. Love nerding out with you. Let's continue to do this. We absolutely will. Thank you again. And thank you all for listening and watching. Uh, if you enjoyed today's video, you can find many more on our YouTube page. Just go to YouTube and type in Cyberwork with InfoSec to check out our collection of tutorials, interviews, and past webinars. If you'd also rather have us in your ears during your workday, all of our videos are available as audio podcasts, of course. So just search Cyberwork with InfoSec in your favorite podcast catcher to see the current promotional offers of Available for podcast listeners and to learn more about our InfoSec Pro Live Boot Camps, InfoSec Skills On Demand Training Library, and InfoSec IQ Security Awareness and Training Platform, go to infosecinstitute.com slash podcast or click the link in the description. Thanks again, Alyssa Knight, and thank you all for watching and listening. We'll speak to you next week. Love yourselves and each other. Absolutely. Absolutely.